Alright, we are in Matthew chapter 20 this evening, and we are going to be looking at a very uh, familiar parable. And this parable, I'm telling you right now, is one that if you can get a hold of this, it will make a big difference in your life. And uh, especially, okay, all the parables of the Bible, are they're always relevant. okay. But I think in this day and age that we are living in, you need this probably more than ever. And Jason, if you want to go turn off that pulpit mic, that, that would help. It's making a little too much noise. But look at what it says in verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? And this is just kind of a side lesson we can learn here. You know, men ought to be working during the day. All right. Or at least working at some point. If you're not working in the day, it should be because you're sleeping because you were working at night. And uh, men are not to be lazy or idle. And he sees these guys been standing around all day. It's eleventh hour. It's working time. Why are you standing idle? Come work for me. You need something to do. Another lesson. That's another. That's just a little sermon within a sermon. But anyway, verse seven. They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us, he saith to them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden in the heat of the day. Now, how many of you, if you're just going to be honest with yourself, would feel the same way? Who wants to get paid the same thing when you work 12 hours as the people that worked one hour? Obviously, I can kind of understand what's going on here. So what's Jesus teaching? Communism here? You know, let's play the you know, let's pay the Gen Zers, you know, the same thing that, you know, hardworking people are getting, you know, who want to work four hours a day and get three mental health days off a week and all that kind of stuff. Is that what he's teaching right here? No, that's not it at all. We'll see what he's teaching. Verse thirteen, but he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? And this person wasn't upset because wrong was done to him. He was more upset because of good that was done to someone else. So think about that. He says, Take the thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with thine own? If, is thine eye evil because I am good? And understand, we have every right to do good to who we will, and so does God. Understand, these others that worked 12 hours, they had agreed for the penny a day. And understand, a penny is not like a penny today. But you know that was obviously a fair day's wage back then. They thought, yeah, that's, that's worth it. I'll do that. They made that agreement. And so understand, these men who only worked an hour... When the good man decided, I'm going to give them a penny too, that was him doing good.
to these people. And he has a right to do that. That is his, his right. And so it says in verse 16, So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Now I think something that will help us understand why he's given this. Because again, you know, this, this doesn't seem to completely add up. You know, A lot of people speculate on this, but I think the key to figuring out exactly what we're supposed to get from this we could find out in Matthew 19. Let's go back and look at the story that prompted this story. Look at it. It says in Matthew 19, verse 27. Then answered Peter. Now this is after, remember, James and John's mother comes along. Hey, grant that one of my sons sits on your right hand other than the left in your kingdom. And of course, the disciples got all mad. They were always having a power struggle there. Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus says, whosoever be chief among you, let him be your servant. Uh, we, we, saw, or we see that later in chapter 20. But there's a lot of this type of stuff that's been going on in chapters 19 and 20. And so in verse 27 of chapter 19, it says, Then answered Peter and said to him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have there for? Jesus, so again, hey, Lord, we're not like that rich man who refused to sell all and follow you. We have forsaken all and we followed you. What are we going to get? What do we have to look forward to? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, watch this, you might want to underline this in your Bible, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So the regeneration... This is after the resurrection. This is when we have our regenerated, our new bodies. He says, when that happens, I've already chosen you. You're going to sit on the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And not only that, he says, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall receive or inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So same thing, he ends that story with the same thing he ends this parable with. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. So when we see what prompted this parable, I think we can get a pretty good idea of what Jesus is trying to get across in this parable. And so what are some lessons that we can learn from this parable of the laborers that get this? is about discipleship, not about salvation. Always remember, salvation and discipleship are two different things. Being saved and being a disciple are two different things. Everyone who has, is saved has been called to be a disciple, but not everyone who is saved is a disciple. Just always understand that. So, there are things in the Bible that are applicable to disciples. And there often people who are saved will try to claim those things. Like, sorry, you're a lazy, pathetic Christian. You're still going to go to heaven, but you can't claim these things that are for disciples. Okay? So we're talking about disciples. And so I think everybody here ought to pay attention to it. You know, you're at church on a Sunday night. You know, you're, this is the church that we're preaching to. Home folks, these are people who are obviously doing something, trying to follow the Lord, trying to be disciples. So this is important for all of you to get. So first, so there's some lessons that we're going to learn from this parable. The first lesson that we can get is that there are rewards for serving Christ. However, the real payday doesn't come until the regeneration. It says in 1 Corinthians 
For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work should be made manifest for the day should declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so, as by fire, one of these days we are going to stand before God and we are going to be judged for the work that we did. When it comes to salvation, our works are not judged. Our salvation is based on our faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And that will get us into heaven. And there will be people who, when they stand before God, they're going to suffer loss. They're not, they're, all of their works are going to be wood, hay, stubble. They're not going to have any rewards for what they did. But what the, the thing is, as, as disciples, one of the things that we are wanting to do is we're wanting to gain eternal rewards. And did you know it's not wrong to do that? Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt or thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As disciples, we have not been called to lay up treasures here on this earth. We've been called to lay up treasures in heaven. And God wants us laying up treasures in heaven because if our treasures are laid up in heaven, our heart's going to be there and we are going to be more focused on spiritual things rather than carnal things. And if we get too sidetracked, you know, pursuing the almighty dollar and pursuing possessions and all these things, we're going to become pretty useless on this earth when it comes to things of the Spirit. Remember, Jesus didn't die on the cross to save your boat and your house and all those other things. Those things are all going to burn. He came to save souls. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And so understand... Often, people, they get discouraged in their Christian life because, and I, again, with social media, I think this is ten times worse today, we're always comparing everything with other people. And, and understand this, that the, the Master, He can do good to ever He wants to do good to. And often people, as they make a mistake as a disciple of instead of just being a disciple. And a disciple is a follower of Christ. You know what that means? You do what He wants you to do. And, as a, and God might want you as a disciple to be poor on this earth. God might want you as a disciple to suffer on this earth. He might want to use you as an example of somebody with enduring faith. And we're going to see some examples of that in a little bit. But our job is just to do whatever Jesus wants us to do. That's what you do as a disciple of Christ. But many people today are serving Christ thinking He's going to be their meal ticket to just you know, riches and prosperity here on this earth. And where do they get that from? we got prosperity preachers. They're all over the television. They're all over the internet. And there are sometimes they're even in Baptist churches. Preachers kind of preach prosperity type things. Listen to all these things I'm going to tell you and you'll be guaranteed to have a blessed life and plenty of money in the bank and all wonderful things. No, I, I haven't figured out the formula for all that stuff. All I know, we are supposed to be disciples of Christ and understand our real payday is not here on this earth. In fact, sometimes we, if you do get paid on this earth, just understand you have your reward. Okay, keep that in mind. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But let's, so the first lesson you just need to get 
is the rewards for serving Christ. The payday comes in the regeneration. Not necessarily on this earth. The second thing is, we also have no idea what God's pay scale even is. And look what it says in chapter 19, verse 29. It says, And everyone that's forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. And that's the same thing he said in chapter 20 and verse 16. And what's he talking about there? Because again, in the regeneration, here's what, here's what I don't know for sure. While he said a hundredfold, I don't know what works I do on this earth necessarily automatically always generate the heavenly rewards. Because sometimes we see in the Scriptures, you know, everybody thinks, well, soul winning for sure. And obviously, God's going to reward soul winning. There's no doubt about that too. But, you know, the Bible also talks about giving a cold cup of water to someone. I mean, there's a lot of little things that we do that we don't even think about that Jesus made a really big deal about. Jesus made a really big deal about the woman who gave two mites. A lot of times, the things that we think are insignificant, Jesus looks at that and he's greatly blessed by that kind of thing. I talked, me and Brother Chris were talking about this yesterday when we went out soul winning. Sometimes when you go out soul winning, you run into people, especially older people, who, you know, we're out, our business, we're trying to get people saved. But sometimes you're going to run into those people, and sometimes they might be saved, sometimes they might not, not be saved. They just want somebody to talk to. They're lonely. You know, while we're ultimately about the business of getting people saved, just understand. If you have an opportunity when you're out sowing to just be a blessing and a help to somebody and encourage them, you know what? I would recommend doing that, especially if that person is saved. Because God loves them. They're one of His children. And if you can be a blessing to those people, God's going to notice that. God notices things that we don't even think of. Really? I mean, am I really going to receive great rewards for talking to an old lady for an hour or something like that? Uh, probably. If, if, if you are a blessing to her, if she's somebody who loves the Lord, if she's one of God's children, if she's a servant of the Lord, we should do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I mean, we are probably going to be blown away when we get to heaven by all the things that we're going to get these big payoffs for that we didn't even realize we were doing anything. So, again, I don't know. I don't really try to keep track of all that stuff. I'm not even trying to figure out how much I got laid up in heaven. Okay. Have you ever, you know, I'm not, I don't know how to figure that stuff out. Here's what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ. I'm supposed to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to do whatever He says. And the Bible says in Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So, again, if Jesus showed up here and asked you to do something, boy, we'd go all out. But do we do that for other people? And you know, the truth is, there are some who do follow that. Anything they do, they do it like they're doing it for the Lord. They're probably going to have all kinds of rewards coming they're not even thinking about. And, and so, just understand, whatever He does, whatever Jesus does on that judgment day, He will do it righteously. It will be righteous. And 2 Timothy 4, 7, 
Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. So God's going to judge you righteously. And let me tell you, sometimes on earth, things will look unfair. Sometimes on earth, things will seem unfair. And you know what? They, I mean, they very well may be completely unfair. But just understand, one of these days you will stand before the righteous judge and he will make it right. I, I promise you that anyone who is treated unfairly on this earth, when Jesus makes it right, you will not regret that you were treated unfairly on this earth. And, we, and so we just need to trust God when it comes to all these things. And so here's the thing. The whole point of discipleship is doing what the Lord wants you to do. Chapter 20, verse 13. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto thee this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do good what I, or to do what I will with mine own? Is I evil because I am good? So the whole point of discipleship you're doing what God wants you to do. Discipleship, get this, is not about doing a work to advance yourself. It is about serving Jesus. That is what discipleship is about. And let me and there's a lot of people they go into jobs thinking, I want to go here and I want to move up the ranks and I, I aspire to be a CEO of this company or whatever. Hey, there's nothing wrong with you doing that. If you want to be a carpenter, if you want to be a plumber, electrician, whatever. And if you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with you going and getting a job and working somewhere, having a conversation with an employer and you discussing how you can mutually benefit each other. Nothing wrong with that. To go to a man and say, hey, listen, I'm a hard worker. I learn fast. You have something you can teach me. I will be financially uh, beneficial for you. You know, you pay me good. You give me a chance to move up the rent. You know, you, there's nothing wrong with people doing that kind of thing. But let me tell you something. Being a disciple of Christ, that is not what this is all about. Being a disciple of Christ is us saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? Lord, I'm thankful for the salvation that you have given me. I am here to serve you. What do you want me to do? And let me tell you something. Before you sign up for that, just understand, Jesus has His disciples go through some pretty tough stuff. The apostles, the disciples... Jesus' disciples all suffered greatly in their lives. But you know what they were doing? They were doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. And I don't think any of them are going to regret it. Or any of them do regret it. I guarantee you they don't regret it. But let me tell you, it was not necessarily beneficial for them on this earth. And let me tell you, when it comes to ministry, I have just decided, I have just made it a policy I will never again, I will never again, if somebody comes in here to this church and they're like, I'm going to be a pastor, I'm not, I'm not using them. These people that just come in want to be a pastor, wanting to move up the ranks, wanting to see how I can advance them and give them that, I'm done with that. You know what I'm going to do? I want people who are going to serve the Lord. People like, I want to be a blessing to this church. I am here because I want to serve the Lord. I believe this is where the Lord wants me to serve. 
And I don't believe we should be using ministry like that. I don't think you ought to just use it as a stepping stone, a way to move up the ranks, a way to advance yourself. Because let me tell you something, ministry sometimes is very difficult. Ministry sometimes is not beneficial financially. It's not beneficial emotionally. It's not beneficial for your health. And let me tell you, I know, I know some pastors that have done very well off the ministry. I know some pastors that have gotten, I would say they've gotten rich off the ministry. They've gotten popular. They've gotten big names. And I know other guys who've suffered, who it's caused them a lot of health problems and a lot of health disparities and things. They deal with a lot of stress. They've dealt, they've had a lot of sacrifice and they don't have a whole lot to show for it. But let me tell you, I know these people and they're disciples of Christ. And let me tell you something too. Even some of the guys that I know that have gotten, you know, rich and famous or whatever you want to say that might sound terrible. It's not all that bad. God's just been very good to them on this earth. I think they're his disciples too. God has been very good. And you know what? God's been good to all of us. Okay. Just under, God's been good to all of us. But let me tell you, ministry is not about advancing yourself. And so if somebody comes in here, I want to see what I got to do so I can move up the ranks. Not interested. Not interested. This is a place where we serve the Lord. And if somebody comes here and they are a faithful servant of God, if they find out you can, they, they can handle tough times, they can face battles, that they've got some toughness to them, that they've got some true love for the Lord, some true grit, then you know what? One of these days, when a need pops up, guess who we're going to choose? We're going to say, you know what? Hey, this person, they've been a faithful servant. This person, they've stuck through the tough times. They've gone through difficulties. They've fought battles. They have served others. They've done things for others who couldn't do anything for them. But you do. You have people that come in and they just want to impress the pastor. They just want to do whatever they got to do to move up the ranks. Not interested. Not interested. I will never train anybody like that. Somebody comes in and says, I want to be a pastor. I'm just going to tell them, go find somewhere else then. Go to Bible college for four years and buy a diploma. Because uh, you're not getting that here. If you want to come here and serve... You want to come here and just be a blessing? That would be wonderful. This can be... Let me tell you something. Just being a disciple of Christ, it's not about titles. It's about being in God's will. It's about doing what God says. And a person... You can be a disciple of Christ and not be a pastor and not be on church staff, never get a paycheck. You can be a disciple of Christ and you know have a career. Being a being a janitor or whatever, and you know, or you know, you can you can be a disciple of Christ and be cleaning toilets in the church and never preach a sermon. And let me tell you, there's a lot of women that are disciples of Christ just as much, and maybe even more so than a lot of pastors that are out there. You know why? Because they are doing exactly what they have been called to do. There's a lot of pastors out there. They've actually been called to step down from their pulpits because they've disqualified themselves, but they're still there. And let me tell you. The lady in the church who cleans the bathrooms is more of a disciple of Christ than that pastor is who's still getting a paycheck when he shouldn't even be there. It's all about serving the Lord. Discipleship is not about doing a work to advance yourself. It's about serving Jesus. And should you just mark it down? If we ever get somebody in here again, and then you know, and now I've said this online, and so the next person that comes along, they're going to know what to say. But listen, if you ever hear them, I'm just doing these things trying to move up the ranks. Man, you tattle on them. You tattle on them. You let me know. Hey, part of ordaining somebody, that's why we have a congregation for a reason. The pastor's the one that lay hands on them. But the, you know, the thing is, 
if the church, you know, I believe the church ought to be behind it. I believe the church ought to be a part of it. And so if that person has a good testimony in our church, yeah, they're just, they're just a faithful servant. They love the Lord. They love people. You know, they're faithful. Then, hey, that's great. And you all can be a witness to that. But if they're conniving, if they're working behind the scenes, just trying to move up the ranks, trying to put in their time so they can get their ordination, let me know. I don't want that. They will not make it. They will. Those people will not make it. And I do not want to lay hands on somebody who's just going to flop out and be a hireling or, or, or quit or whatever. And so, Because there is a difference between an employee or a hireling and a disciple of Christ. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But we got a lot of people today that are going into the ministry wanting to see what they can get. And that's the problem too with a lot of these Bible colleges. They're turning out all these people. All right, what kind of you know, benefits package am I going to get from this church? What kind of pay am I going to get from this church? I'm sorry, Zoomers, <clears throat> Zoomers, I'm telling you, they do. They expect the world and they expect to do nothing to get it. And Bible colleges are turning out all these Zoomers, these ambitious Zoomers that just want, they do, they want a paycheck. They don't want to go and work their way up. They don't want to sacrifice. They, they don't. And then, you know, these same people, if, if they don't get all that they want, then they just, they quit. And then they, then they become victims and recovering fundamentalists and start podcasts talking about what a victim they are. It's just absolutely embarrassing. But a good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. I'm amazed at all the people who as soon as they see a challenge come. Isn't it interesting? We love the stories of David and Goliath. We love seeing someone else fight a giant. We find inspiration from that. But when we're asked to fight a giant, I ain't doing that. We love watching Job suffer and come through it. But when God wants us to suffer, oh, I don't want to do that. We love seeing all these examples of faithfulness and struggle in the Bible. We love seeing Paul go through the shipwrecks and getting beaten with rods and all these things. We, boy, we find inspiration. We get all fired up from that. But then as soon as we get an opportunity to suffer a little bit, I quit. I'm moving on. Challenges come. And boy, we've seen that a lot. Even with some of the battles we fought, there's just been people that are like, oh, wait, you mean we're going to have to struggle? Preacher, I like hearing you talk about struggles. I like seeing you fight battles. But wait, I have to fight a battle too? See ya. That's a shame. That's, all, that's the world that we're living in today. And you know what? It's because we've got a lot of people, they are in church, not to be a disciple, but it's about how can I advance myself? What commands do I have to follow to get all the blessings of God? To get to you know, win the lottery or wow, you know, get a good job or promotion? What I got to do? No. Being a disciple might mean you're going to suffer. But the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. And let me tell you, I have been a hireling at some jobs before. When I worked at the distribution center, I was a hireling. If they'd have quit paying me, I'd have been gone. I wouldn't have gone in. I was there for the paycheck. And you know what? You're not terrible for that. I mean, we, we need to provide for our families. But let me tell you something about ministry. Let me tell you something about pastoring. It's a calling. It really is. It's, it's a calling. And I worry about somebody who won't do it unless they get a paycheck. Unless they get a great benefits package and all that stuff. 
I worry about those people. No, it's a calling. And you're going you're gonna to sometimes be called on to suffer. You're going to be called on to go through some things. And so there's nothing wrong with looking for employment. Nothing wrong with you looking for an opportunity to advance yourself in a career. It's not sinful for you to go negotiate with somebody. Talk about how you can mutually benefit each other. That's good business. But when you're a disciple of Christ, you are focusing on serving His purpose. What can I do for the Lord? You're trusting Him to take care of you, not so much on earth, but in the regeneration. Because the truth is, being a disciple of Christ can sometimes get you killed. Did you know it gets people killed in a lot of countries? It's gotten people killed in a lot of places throughout history. Sometimes being a disciple of Christ will cause you to be hated. Jesus warned His disciples about that. It's like, you're going to be hated for My name's sake. This isn't isn't an advancement opportunity, but this is about being a disciple. This means you might have to suffer the way Jesus suffered. So the simple fact is, being a disciple of Christ, being useful for His purpose, is not on this earth always going to mean easy street for you. God wants all different kinds, and it's all about what He wants. God wants some people for suffering. We pre- I preached about this not too long ago, but get a hold of this. Oh, it's worth repeating. Hebrews 11.32 And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. He had great victories. Of Barak. He had a great victory. Of Samson. He had some great victories. It didn't end so good, but he ended in a victory. Of Jephthah. Of David also. And Samuel. And of the prophets. These guys, they all had a lot of great victories. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions quenched them out of the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. So those are some great things that happened to people through faith. They followed Christ, they had faith, and wonderful things happened. Some women even had their dead brought back to life. But, it goes on to say, and others. Others. These others we're about to look at too were also disciples. These others also had faith. These others were also in God's will. And others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. That regeneration. Okay, But on earth, didn't do good. They died. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. These people were disciples. They were in God's will. They suffered. God chose them for this suffering. But you know what the Bible also says about them? Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, all, talking about Gideon, the guys who got victory, talking about the others who got tortured, who who died, who were destitute, all having obtained a good report through faith. But you know what God says? They had a good report through faith. That's That's what a disciple needs to shoot for. A disciple is not about, hey, what can I get on this earth to advance myself? The disciple should be all about, you know what? I want a good report on my faith. When I stand before God, I want Him to be pleased 
with my faith. And notice it says, that a good report through faith, receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So if these who had faith and died did not receive the promise, but are going to get something better, that tells us that that better thing they're going to get, it's in the regeneration. It's not on this earth. It's going to be later in the regeneration. And two examples, I referenced this this morning, but uh, I referenced one of these this morning. Two examples that lived around the same time. We're not going to take time to go through their stories. But how about Job? Job and Abraham. Job and Abraham. In Job 1.1, it says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and has chewed evil. Sounds like a good guy. Job was definitely a good guy. Lived on earth. Same time as Abraham. Verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And you all know the story. Job lost everything. God chose for Job to suffer. And God, God used the suffering of Job to be a blessing to people throughout the ages. And I mean, and don't worry, and God, God even blessed Job later in his life after he went through suffering that you and I can't imagine. But God chose Job for suffering. And Job was a perfect, upright man. You know who else God chose? God chose Abraham. But did you know God, one of the, God chose Abraham for certain things, but Abraham was very rich. Abraham, while he did have his own set of challenges and problems, the truth is, Abraham actually had it better than Job. Abraham actually committed some pretty bad sins. But yet, we see that God still chose Abraham. Why didn't God choose Job to have the seed come through? I don't know. God chose Abraham for that. God chose Job to suffer. The truth is, I don't know. It's like when you look, when you compare, you know, what we know about their lives, it looks like Job was better than Abraham in some ways. But yet, God chose for Abraham to be the one that his, the seed would come through. God chose Abraham to be the one that he would make the father of many nations. God chose that. But here's the thing. Both of them were his disciples. One had an easier life than the other one did. They both had, you know, Abraham had his challenges. But I'd take, I'd take Abraham's life over Job's. For sure. I'd take Abraham's life over Job's. I mean, you know, and you know, we pick on Job's wife, but, you know, she went through a lot too. But understand, some of God's disciples are going to have things better on this earth than you are. When you see God doing good to them, you need to remember, we signed up to follow Him. So, okay, we're not here to get health, wealth, prosperity and all that. We are here to follow Him. If He gives someone more than you, just understand, that's not Him being unjust to you. You agreed to follow Him. That's what hopefully, that's what everybody needs to do. That's what every Christian, there needs to come a point in your life where you make a decision, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. A lot of people, they come into church and they think, I'm going to try being a good Christian. I'm going to try being a good, independent, fundamental Baptist. I'm going to adopt all their standards and practices. And I'm going to listen to their music. And I'm going to do all these things. And then we're going to see if my life improves. Listen, that's not what discipleship's about. 
discipleship, that's, that's somebody who you, you appreciate what Jesus did for you so much. You trust him so much that you're willing to do whatever. And his disciples really go through some things sometimes. And if he calls you to suffering, so be it. And understand, while he's calling you to suffer sometimes, you might be watching somebody else get all kinds of good things on this earth. But understand too, they have their reward too. They have their reward. I've never, you know what I've never figured out? And I would throw up if I ever heard a preacher try to pretend he figured it out. And that is, I'd be throwing up with disgust. And that is, I've never figured out what God's earthly pay scale is. And I never will. Man, you know, what do I have to do to be one of them rich preachers? Some of them preach the right gospel. You know, what do I have to do? And let me tell you too, when we actually, it's one of the dumbest things in the world to just compare ourselves among ourselves. It is one of the most foolish things in the world that we can possibly do. Because think about this too. While if we want to get focused on money, okay, let's just focus on money. Because that's what everybody gets tempted with. Okay, there's always going to be somebody that has more money than you. There's always going to be somebody that has less money than you too. But in reality, well, you know, in, in my life, okay, I have just, I've never had a ton of money. But you know what? I do have eight children that are healthy. Do you know how many wealthy people are giving up their wealth, would give their wealth, give up their wealth to have good health, to have to you know have one of their children not have disease? I mean, good night. We have eight kids, and they're all still alive. I mean, folks, how many times you know over the years have your kids almost died? I mean, as it seems like every day is just keeping keeping them alive, and they're still here, folks. Some people lose their children and they're not terrible people. They're not being judged by God. They're disciples of Christ. I know good men, good preachers who love the Lord, faithfully serving the Lord, who've lost children, who've lost spouses. I don't understand. I don't understand that. I've known some preachers that had good wives and their wives died. I've known other preachers whose wives were terrible and those wives won't die for nothing. I, you know, I don't understand that. It's like, Lord, why didn't you take the nag? That preacher's a good guy. He could have done better the second time. And, and you took the good wife. That doesn't seem fair. And, you know, but... And I don't, I don't know why God does that. Okay? I know I would take out... You know, I, I, would, I would help the preacher out that had the naggy wife. But I'm not God for many reasons. <laughs> Everybody would be going to hell if I was, if I was God. But just understand... You know, I, we'll never figure these. We'll never figure these things out. But God knows what He's doing. I've never figured out the key to getting all your prayers answered according to your will. Never figured that out. And I don't like hearing preachers who act like they did. I don't understand that. I don't. I don't understand. I've heard preachers. I've seen preachers before. They've got these huge churches, these great ministries, and you listen to them preach, and it's like they didn't even say anything. What in the world? You know, I, I, you know, Brother Chris, I was, I was ran about it. You know, we, my wife and I, we went to a church recently for a funeral. Just woman preacher. I mean, just short-looking lesbian haircut. And it's just like you, you look at this big, massive building and we're seeing all these people in there that are a religion that we talk to on a regular basis out here soul winning. These people are not saved. And it's like, why in the world does this joke of a church have a building like? How come how come churches with fag flags 
have more money, nicer buildings than we do sometimes. That ain't right. Not according to my justice. Not, but you know, at the same time too, what do you think is going to happen on Judgment Day? You know, when Pastor Bulldyke is standing before God and seeing all her church members getting thrown into hell. You know, I would rather be the guy who maybe suffered a little bit on this earth, but at least people in our church are going into heaven. You know, and so at the end of the day, it's not about things in this earth. On this earth, things seem very unfair, but at the same time too, again, let's not get this attitude. Every church that's being blessed and every big church must be compromisers. I remember I had a guy tell me that one time. He was talking about a large church. You know, it had a big, beautiful building and all this stuff. And he was like, there's no way they got that many people in their church without compromising. You don't know that. You know what? Maybe God chose to bless this church with large numbers. I don't know why God does that. Again, and I said some of these churches, you listen to preachers, they're not very good. And then you go to other places, and that preacher, man, you can tell he studied, he worked hard, he preaches good, and there's hardly anybody in his church. It's like, what in the world? Lord, what is going on? Some of the churches that we're competing with. I mean, we we had some people that were visiting our church, and the church that they decided to go back to is one that has a woman pastor, and they know it's wrong. They told me they know it's wrong. And so it's like, why are you going there? Why can't you just do the right thing and take a stand against that and come to a church that's taking a stand on that which is right? I don't understand that. All these big money people going to these joke churches with women pastors. I'm, I'm, women pastors, man, I'm just really fired up about that this week. You know, I think I've decided it's a sin to go to a funeral with a woman pastor because it's vexed my soul. And, and I and I almost lost it yesterday when we were talking to the one folks and, about, and they, they accepted that woman pastor who they're not even always sure if she's going to show up for service. Are you serious? I'm thinking, what would happen if, you know, how would you all feel if you didn't know if I was going to show up for church or not? wonder if the pastor is going to show up today. What in the world? How do people like that get a paycheck? I mean, you, you go into some of these... The guys in these churches that are working under the woman look like perverts. I mean, I would never let my kids near somebody like this. And it's just like, these people just come giving all that... I, I don't get that, folks. Folks, I, I don't get it. I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't get it. But here's what I do know. I trust Jesus. I've been called to be His disciple. In the Scriptures, sometimes He calls people. And, and again, I'm saying He calls people suffering. If, if I'm suffering, I am acting like a Zoomer. Just understand right now, okay? I, I am act, you know, I, I, The Lord has been very good to me uh, for, for a lot of reasons. I, I, am, I am very blessed. The only, the only reason... You know, and I do. I get tempted to feel sorry for myself sometimes. You know why? Because that's our culture. Because I'm on social media. Because there's always somebody that has more than you in some area. But it is. In, in reality, I'm acting like a pathetic Zoomer and I might as well get a Zoomer perm if I'm going to let that kind of thing get me down. You say that would be humiliating. I should be humiliated. If I'm acting like a victim, and, that, and that's the same thing for you too. Okay? We're blessed in this church and if you think you're a victim, you might as well go and get a Zoomer perm right now and just look like one of these you know, worthless Gen Zers. 
that are out there who thinks they should get paychecks for doing nothing. Just uh, and so, again, I, I've seen preachers they've got rich off the ministry. I've seen more godly men live in poverty. I've seen preachers who've lived with one tragedy after another. Bob Johnson was a missionary that we supported. That I, I loved that man. I, I was amazed at what he was doing for God, and he died. In, I mean, that guy suffered like nobody I've ever seen in the ministry. And then he, while he was over here in America, he died in a car wreck. That does not seem fair to me. That does not seem fair to me. But you know what? I trust God. I trust God. And you know what? While I'll admit, you see stuff like that, you scratch your head a little bit, in the regeneration, nobody's going to be scratching their head. Nobody's going to be scratching their head. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Judgment Day when men like him, not well known, not famous, but faithfully served the Lord, got who knows how many thousands of people saved over there in Haiti and the Dominican Republic, started, I mean, I, I don't know, remember the numbers exactly, but I mean, we're talking like 50, 60 churches. They got started over there, soul winning churches. I mean, I, I just, I, I can only imagine. But I have, I've seen men with large ministries who are loved by many, too, who've turned out sorry kids, while men with small ministries have turned out wonderful children. But then you know what? I've seen the opposite too. I've seen guys with small ministries turn out terrible children and guys with large ministries turn out good children. At the end of the day, the thing we can just never allow to happen in our life is for us to get discouraged and upset with God when we see good happening with others. All of them agreed to serve in His vineyard for a penny. We have all agreed we're going to be a disciple of Christ and so we take what He gives us on this earth. And we might watch Him do better, earthly speaking, to someone else than He does to us. And when He does, you know what? Let's be happy for them. Do you not try to teach that to your children? Isn't that annoying when your kids get mad because you do good to one of their siblings? That's not fair. Hey, we, we yell at our kids about that all the time. And we have a name for them that I won't say. It has, it's not named after anybody in this church. <laughs> but uh, just somebody we know is one of the most envious people we've ever seen in our life. And I don't want my kids to be that way. We should be happy when good things happen to other people. And if you say, well, that just doesn't seem just, fair, whatever, it will all be fair in regeneration. That's what we're living for. And you say, I'm just not getting a whole lot on this earth. Well, then you know what? Hopefully you're getting a whole lot in heaven. And maybe that's where your heart will be. Maybe that's why God didn't... Maybe God is giving more to some people because they just don't care. Because they're still thinking about the eternal and He's able to do good, give, do good to them without it distracting them from the spiritual where if God did those good things for you, you would have nothing in, in the future because you would be all caught up in enjoying these things of the earth. Some of us are probably better off with nothing on this earth. But either way... All we need to worry about is being where God wants us to be and doing what He wants us to do. And it might be an Abraham and Lot situation. God might look at... There could be two of us, me and Brother Chris. We might both be following Christ. And God might say to me, Alright, you, I need you to go over there and go suffer. And I need Brother Chris, I need you to go over there and enjoy health, wealth, and prosperity. Now, we all know which one we would choose. (laughs) But the the, the truth is... I shouldn't be over there in my suffering, you know, throwing rocks at him, saying, you know, and then accusing him of compromising all that stuff. No. God might just be being good to him. And that's 
That's not God being bad to me. And so I think that's where we're supposed to get from this parable of the labors. Is it's not about what we get in this earth. God can do good to whoever He wants to, and He is God. And God has there's a lot that God has done for me. All of us, if we if we wanted to, we could take some time and really start expressing the good things God done. We sang about it. I've been singing that song all week long. I mean, the Lord has done much good for me, and we need to make sure we stay focused on that and it, and just keep on being disciples. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you so much for this parable, the lessons that we can learn from it. I pray, Lord, you will help us internalize these things. Lord, we live in a generation and a culture that is obsessed with possessions and uh, status and all these things, Lord, but help us to not be that way. Help us to be focused on you, focused on serving you and having faith like these people that we see in Hebrews chapter 11, always thinking about the next life rather than this life. And I pray help us be victorious and be good disciples. In your name we pray. Amen.